wonderful singing, and uh, just just good, um, amazing grace, and it is great. Um, I won't say too much before we get started, but I would like to start with a word of prayer, and I would just ask you guys to pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to come and preach you for preach your gospel, Lord. And I just thank you, God, that you sent your son to die on the cross for us and live a perfect and sinless, sinless life before us, Father, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that none of us ever take that sacrifice lightly, and we never are found taking it lightly, Father, Lord, that we just walk as you walk and walk as you, as you called us to walk, God, that we would just seek to make disciples as you made disciples, Father, Lord, that we would seek to please you more than we seek to please ourselves and any man around us, Father. And I pray, Lord, that we always stand upon your word and upon what you spoke and upon what you taught, Father. And I pray that we seek to model our lives after that. And it would just be, just be our very life, Father. And that we would just cling to it, Lord, and we would just hold to every word that you spoke. And I pray that it affects our lives, Lord, and it affects the lives of our children, the lives of our friends and the lives of our family around us, Father, and that it would be evident the work that you've done in us, Father, and that we might take that work that you've done in us and we might spread your gospel to others. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just help me to preach not for my honor or not for my glory, Lord, but for your honor and your glory, God, because there's none good but you. And I pray that you receive all the honor and glory for anything done here tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. What I've, what I've kind of landed on as not really a title of the message, but a theme. Um, as, as a church, as an organization, we have a mission statement. Everywhere you work has that mission statement that you go back to. When you start going further along the line, you're going to go back to that mission statement, to that central point of where you set out to figure out if you're doing things the way that you ought to be doing them. I mean, every school has it every place of business, every hospital, they all have that mission statement. And we as Christians, we as a church have a mission statement as well. And if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, that's where we'll begin. And as you turn, we'll, we'll begin reading. Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This was, this was our command. This, was, this is our mission statement. This is where we start. This is what Jesus left us with. The very last thing he left us with was go and teach all nations. And teach them to observe all things whatsoever, whatsoever I have commanded you. Not just part of it, all things. And we must fulfill that. If we're not doing that, we're not doing our job, and we need to continually examine ourselves to see whether we're doing it as a church or whether, and whether we're doing it as individuals as well. Because if you look back on the past five years of your life, on the past five years, how effective have you been in this commission, or have you omitted it? Has it been an omission, or has it been a commission? In the past five years, though, if you look back, how effective have you been? I don't, I don't mean how many people have profess Christ around you. I mean, how many people have become disciples and followed him? Not just made a decision and quit, but truly followed. And I just want us to look a little bit at how Jesus made his disciples. If you'll turn over to Luke chapter 10, and we'll begin in verse 1. And in Luke 10, verse 1, it says, After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also. 
beyond the twelve, he appointed seventy to follow him and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Before he went, he sent, he sent them out. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter first, say, Peace be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, um, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. And if we look there, we see something counter to what we do. We don't focus on that. We, what Jesus commanded his disciples to do here, it was two of them go out, go to a house, and stay there. Stay there with those people. Make them disciples. Disciple them. Teach them my ways. We see doctrines and we see churches contrary to our beliefs that go two by two, door to door. You see that quite a bit. I mean, we saw some walking through the parking lot last night. Um, but how often do we find ourselves going two by two, trying to disciple people, trying to win people over to Christ? Or are we more just spray and pray sometimes? We just kind of scatter it out there hoping that something sticks. I mean, are we guilty of that as a church? Is there not more method to the madness than this than coming in on Sunday morning for two or three hours, coming in on Wednesday night for two or three hours and hoping that it sticks? This isn't what Jesus did with his disciples. It's not. If you look at how long Jesus was here in his ministry, he was here three years, approximately three years according to what we know from the word of God. He was here three years with his disciples. And he taught them that time. He spent that time with his disciples. He was focused on them, teaching them the word, teaching them his ways. And that totals out to about 2,280 hours if you take three years. Or 26,000, I'm sorry, 26,280 hours. He spent that long on his disciples so that they would know his ways. And guess what? At the end of those three years when he was being crucified, they still failed. They still ran from him, except for one, John. And then, of course, Judas. But we spend, say, over the course of 10 years, if we have a child here for 10 years in ministry, you know, they're coming to Wednesday night classes, they're coming to Sunday school, they're coming to church. If they're here for 10 years, at about four hours a week, for 52 weeks out of the year, I mean, that's 2,080 hours. And we expect them to come out of here as a disciple. We expect them to come out of here strong. I mean, that's not even a tenth of the time Christ invested into his disciples. Not even a tenth. And I mean, if you, if you even bump it up to double that in 10 years, I mean, it's, it's not even 5,000 hours. Christ spent so much more time. He took those 12 and he took them everywhere. He invested into them. He poured his heart out into them. He poured his teaching, his life, his doctrine into them. 
And yes, there were multitudes of people every once in a while. I mean, you see multitudes of 5,000 here, 4,000 or 2,000. There, there was that core group of 12, and that was very effective. Because without those 12 having been so close to him, having been taught though his ways, we wouldn't have seen the rapid multiplica multiplication of the church in the New Testament. I mean, you see 12, and then you see 70 more, and then you get to 82, and you probably have some women in there, and then the upper room was about 120 at Pentecost. And then it exploded from there. Those 120, though, they were probably very, very grounded, and that's why we saw that expansion. But how many of us can say that we're very, very grounded? How many of us can say that we've been discipled for two 26,280 hours. It's not going to happen on just Sunday and Wednesday night. It's going to take a little bit more than that. It's going to take parents stepping out and discipling their children. It's going to take those who don't have a Christian parent, you know, another church member investing in that child. It's going to take that. It's going to take more time than just Sunday and Wednesday. Because, I mean, we, we talk about these kids all the time because it's our heart to see them become disciples. And it breaks our heart to see a good 30% turn away from the church and never come back. At least 30%. It breaks our heart. And we think, what can we do better? How can we help these kids? How can we help them become disciples of Christ? And it takes more time. It takes parents who love their children, who want to teach them the commands. But how often, parents, do you find yourself breaking out a Bible and looking at it with your child? How often, parent, do you find yourself praying with your child? This is what Jesus did. This isn't just what I think needs to happen. This is what Jesus did. This is the formula that worked. It worked. He knew the way to do it, and he did it right. And I mean, if we think if the perfect, sinless Son of God, if it took him 26,280 hours at least, he probably had a little bit more time than that. If it took him at least that long for his disciples to become what they became, it's probably going to take us longer because we're not perfect and we're not sinless. But ask yourself, as a church member, as a parent, as an uncle, as an aunt, how much are you investing time-wise into your child? Or are you just hoping some preacher will get a hold of them? Are you hoping a youth pastor will get a hold of them? Are you hoping some Christian person might, might get a hold of them and say something that would affect them, that something that might stick? Just hope. Because whenever you get to the point of conversion, it can go beyond hope. Because that's what Christ does. That's the work that Christ had to do. Christ saves people. We can't save anybody. After he saves them, it's our job to disciple them. It's our job to teach them all things and to observe all things that he has commanded us. Are we doing that job effectively? You need to ask yourself that as a parent. How long this week have you spent in the Word with your child? How long this week have you spent in prayer with your child? How long? What's the purpose of this gospel? What is the purpose of your life, I ask you? What's your purpose? It goes back to Matthew 28 if you're a Christian. That is your purpose, to teach them, to teach them to observe his commands. And it goes back further than that. It goes back 
much further than that in Scripture. And if you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, you'll just see how far back it roots to. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 4. And this is a verse or a passage that many of you may know. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I have commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. They should be in our hearts before we go teaching. And we need to make sure of that. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. In other words, he's saying, my word and my command should be everything. They shouldn't just be a part of Sunday and Wednesday conversation or class. It shouldn't be compartmentalized to just two days of the week. It's saying, parents, this is on you. Teach it diligently to your children. Teach these commands to them. Talk about them all the time. It doesn't just say talk about them on the way to and from church. It doesn't just say ask them what you you learn. It doesn't say just ask them what they learned. It says teach them. You teach them. You as a parent, take that responsibility and teach them. Because without it, they may just be another statistic. And I mean, with that, there are exceptions to the rule. You can do everything you can as a parent. And sometimes your parent may be the the 12th of the 12 disciples. I mean, we see that one disciple did truly turn away. I mean, there are cases such as that, but there, there's not many. There's not 30% of kids getting out of here and never coming back. It doesn't equate to that. But 70%, 70% of these kids that come through our churches and spend at least a year in church, they, they walk away from the church. A good portion come back, but not all of them. And I'm not satisfied with that. I don't know about you, but I will never be satisfied with that until it's all of them. It's, it's up to them. There is free will in the matter. But if they come and if they prof- profess Christ as their Savior here on this altar, it's our job. It's your job as a parent. It's your job as a member to disciple them, to make sure they know the word, to see that they know how to rightly divide the word of truth so that they're grounded Parents, are you going to disciple your children? Or are you going to just trust other people to see to the task? Is that good enough for you? Because how precious is your child's soul? How precious is it? How valuable is it? How sacred is it? How badly do you desire to want to see them make heaven? How much Is that your desire? Your actions will back up your desire. How much time do you spend with them? Teaching them this word. We teach them, we spend plenty of time teaching them other things. We'll spend time teaching them basketball, football, baseball, hunting, fishing. We'll spend all this time teaching these other things. 
but how much time have we dedicated to teaching the Word of God to our children? You as an individual. I'm not talking about me and Brother Rob as working with youth or other people who work with youth. I'm not talking about those people out there teaching kids right now. I'm not saying how much are you allowing those people to pour into your children. I'm saying how much are you pouring into your child with the Word? How much? I mean, count, count up in your head right now. How much time did you and your children spend focused on God this week? How much time? How much? How much time did you truly spend? Because it should be the most precious thing. We know we got to work. We know we got to take care of the house. We know we got to take care of the bills and all these other things. But have we put the level of importance where it should be? The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Are we training our children to do that? I'm not, I mean, I don't mean we, are you. Are you training your child to do that? To seek first the kingdom. Because youth ministers, youth pastors, pastors, preachers, they can only do so much because they only get about probably between four to ten hours a week. You know, there are exceptions to the rule with homeschool and Christian education, and thank God for those things. You know, and there's exceptions to the rule with Bible classes and and good Christian public school teachers, there's exceptions to that rule as far as the amount of instruction they receive. But how much of, you, of your time have you committed to that task? How much have you poured into your child to ensure that they are getting the word of God that they need? Because this should be the very thing that we live by, the very thing that we seek to obey. It should be our heart's desire, and it should be what we're seeking first. Not careers, not more money, not that the bills be paid. Yes, you're supposed to take care of your family biblically, but you're supposed to follow Christ first and foremost. Because he says, you're supposed to love me more than you love that child, more than you love your mother or father. You're supposed to love me more so. And we should display that love in the care that we give these children and in instructing them in the word. Because I've watched far, far too many walk out those doors that I grew up with. Friends that I have walk away from the faith. Get entangled by this world. They had the root. They had the seed planted. But did we water it enough? Did the parent water it enough? It's not all on the parent. But a lot of it is. Because they spend the most time and they should know their child the best. And they have the most time to pour into their child. And them as a parent, they should care the most about their child and about their eternal destination, about their soul. But I think back to how many I grew up with and how many are left in the college class now. I mean, there's probably not even 10%. Of the ones that flew out, in and out in that age, age range, there's probably not even 10% left. 10%. That could be one of your kids in five years. It could be one of yours, your very own child. And you'll be asking yourself, what could I have done different? And it tells us that in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Teach them diligently, not haphazardly, not spray and pray with a little thing here and there. Diligently. It is a diligent task takes a lot of time but it's worth it it is so worth it 
Because when they say that they have a godly heritage, when they say that they saw mama and daddy praying with them, they remember that. They remember mom and daddy reading with them. They remember grandma and grandpa instructing them. They remember grandma and grandpa and my grandpa. I still remember how my papa sat there daily at the kitchen table and read his Bible. I didn't get to talk much with him on the word, but I wish I had. But that interaction with your child is important. It is so critical. It's so crucial. Because they may not get every concept in four hours a week over the course of 10 or 15 years. It's very unlikely that they will. But how diligent are you in the task of ensuring that they do? And parents, I urge you and caution you to be very diligent in that because it could be the difference for your child. It could be the difference between them being one of the probably 90% that's come in and out of this church and are no longer here, one of the 90% that I grew up with that I loved, or it could be the 10% that's still here that I love dearly, that I appreciate so much, that I can, that I can look to and that I can confide in and that I can ask to pray for me and they pray. But there's probably only 10% of them left. Where do you want your child to fall? In the 10 or in the 90? And how diligently are you pursuing the task of ensuring that they are one of the 10? You do make a difference in their discipleship more so than you think. And they desire it. They desire that spiritual attention more so than you think. I promise you. But it is on you. There are exceptions to where a child decides they still have free will. I mean, there is still free will in the matter. But as a parent, you should be diligent in this task. And you should take it with the utmost of responsibility on your shoulders. Because, I mean, I, I pulled my hair out in the past, past few months wondering how to change this. How can these kids become true followers, true disciples? How can they love Christ the way that they ought to love Christ? How can they love Christ the way that these disciples love Christ? And we ought to ask ourselves that. And the answer isn't in another pizza party. The answer isn't in, in another concert. The answer is not in another fun thing to do. That's not where the answer lies. The answer lies in his word. And the answer lies in discipleship. And the answer lies in parents. You ought to be teaching them diligently. Because it's just a fraction of time that we get here with them on Wednesday and Sunday. Just a fraction of time. Sometimes on weekends too. We get them for a week during church camp. Sometimes a little bit of time during Bible school. But is that enough for you? Compared to the time that Christ poured into those 12. You as a parent, is that enough? You need to ask yourself that. And you need to examine how much you're pouring your heart spiritually and the words of Christ into your child. And it ought to be a convicting thing. It should. And I mean, some may say, you know, you don't even have kids, but I love these kids as if they're my own. I care for their souls. I do.
but it takes more than that. I'm not with these kids 24-7. You know, they're not strapped to my hip. They're with you, Mom and Daddy. They are. They are. And they're looking at you. They're watching you. As the disciples watch Christ, as you claim to be a Christian, as you claim to be a follower of Christ, those children are watching you. Every move you make, I promise you. And I guarantee you that one day, they may very well justify a wrong action by your wrong action. So we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have, which, which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Because the character of Christ that he displayed for us in his word ought to be the character that we try to exemplify daily to these kids. Because anything short of that character is short of the character of Christ. If their goal is us, we ought to make our goal him. So that they might follow us. If they're following us, they might follow us as we follow Christ, as Scripture says. Because if we're following something else, guess who they're going to follow right along with? Us. If we're chasing after something else other than Christ, they're going to chase right after us with it. And our heart and our intent and our focus ought to be on Him. As a parent, though, please, Spend more time. More time. If it's no time, spend more time. Because ask yourself, in the amount of time of everything else they get in this world during a week's time, ask yourself, how much of Christ did they get? How much of his word? How much of his goodness? How much of his grace? Because he is the only thing good. There's none good but God. None. And he's the only thing good in this world. And we ought to give these kids the very best. Christ talks about, that, about us that we won't give, you know, a viper or a stone to our child. You know, we'll give them bread. We ought to know how to give them good gifts. We see that in the cantata every year. That we should know how to give our children good gifts. A godly heritage is a good gift. It's a great gift. The word of God daily delivered by their parents is a good gift. Prayer with their parents daily is a good gift. Do you know how to give a good gift to your child? Well, that's how you do it. The things of God, those are the good gifts. Not the next Xbox, not the next computer, not the big Christmas present, not the fancy clothes. God's word, prayer, time with their parents in the word, diligent instruction by their parents, diligent thought out, instruction from the heart that their parents believe in and live their lives upon that's a good gift to a child that is the most precious gift that you can give them and the greatest memory that you can leave them with and it is one thing that will make a difference in eternity but i ask you parent is that your focus and is that what you're doing and if it's not i pray that you change your focus because I know if you're here, you want that child to be a disciple. You want that child to follow Christ. You have a desire for that. Follow that desire with action. Not only here in bringing them, but at home. In displaying the character and in teaching the character diligently. And don't quit. Don't give up. Because it will pay off. It will. 
it will most certainly pay off because I do see it pay off. Whenever one of these kids sees something out of line and they say something to me, that is the greatest blessing that I can receive. Whenever one of these kids are burdened about one of their friends that are turning away, such as I have friends turned away, that's a blessing. It's not a blessing to see those other children turn away, but to see their heart breaking for their friend, that is a blessing. But it doesn't come as a result of five hours a week. Rarely it does. Because if you're not teaching that child and they're becoming a disciple, it's because they're picking it up themselves. They're picking it up themselves more than just Sunday and Wednesday. But do you just want to leave it to them? Or do you as a parent want to do everything you can to instruct them spiritually? Because it's your job too. It is. So I ask that you pray about that. Whether it be on this altar tonight, whether it be tonight with your spouse, pray and seek God diligently in that on how to diligently teach your child because it is of utmost importance. And for anyone here tonight that is not a disciple that does not know Christ, I just want to hit on this real quick. There's no maybe, there's no 50% chance of whether or not you died tonight that you would go to hell. You will go to hell if you don't know Christ. You will go to hell if you don't know him as your Savior. But you can come and make him your Savior tonight because he has died for you on the cross. He has loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that opportunity is open to anyone. And for the parent who feels that they may not diligently be teaching their child and just leaving it to others, this altar is open too. And I only say this, and I only say the words from his word, because I love them so very much. And to see one of them Walk out those doors, denying Christ. It'd be the most terrible thing that we could ever experience as a church. Because we do experience it. But to see your child would not only break your heart, it would break my heart. But I urge you and I tell you that the task cannot be done by me by a preacher, by a Sunday school teacher alone. It's going to take you too. And for those children who don't have parents like your children have, those kids are going to need you too. Because not every parent, not every child has a Christian home. And we need to invest in those kids. We do. We ought to love them. At this time, I would just ask the, the choir to come ahead. Church, I ask that you diligently pray and think about the task of, me, of your child becoming a disciple and what you're doing and how instrumental you are being in that task and that you take it seriously because it is a very, very serious thing. <laughs>